LifeCo. We are a company of believers filled with the life and the love of God. A people gathered together with a common purpose to see Jesus glorified and to see people come to be people become fully alive in Jesus. How many of you believe that? You're in the right place. Yeah, you're in the right place. Absolutely. Welcome. We are officially in the Advent season. For those of you that don't know me, I love the privilege of meeting you um, sometime this morning. My name is Lenny. I'm one of the staff pastors here. I counted a privilege, and it's really fun being part of this church. It really is. I, I'm, I, I've lived long enough to make that judgment. It's really awesome being part of this church. Such an awesome um, presence of God gospel-centered, multicultural, multi-generational. Come on, come on, a church that loves people, a church that welcomes people, a church that loves people, but doesn't, you know, it's like God loves us so much he doesn't want to keep us the same way that we are. He wants us to grow up and in him and amazing things that are happening in this church and discipleship and so many departments in this church, great things happening. I just want to give honor to whom honor is due. And come on, can you just give um, some, some love to Pastor Kyle and Kenzie for leading us, for leading us this way. I said to Pastor Kyle a couple of weeks ago, I said, you know why everyone's so happy here? I said, because of you because that's what you embody. You embody love, embrace, welcome, and that's the way our, that's the culture of our church. Amen. Well, I've come to bring you a message from the word of God. But before I do, I figured I'd start out with something funny, but I'm not trying to be like Joel Osteen. It's not a joke. It's no corny joke. It, it's, it's something, you know, I have uh, five children who are adults, and then I have five grandchildren, and the sixth one is on the way. The sixth one is on the way. But my oldest grandchild is Nori, um, Amy's daughter, and she wrote something. You know, I, th this was, I think, her first piece that's been published. <laughs> published with the family. If you get publish publication with the family, that's a good start. Um, but do we have that? Do we have that? Yeah. Okay, this, Merry, Merry Christmas. And, and it says, ha ha. And I love that little hand sticking out over there. Don't you? But I, I mean, her, her artwork's amazing. And this is what she wrote. Once upon a time, it was Christmas. And everyone was happy. Then when they woke up, the rare 
was no presence. Everyone was sad. Santa came to steal peasants. Not give presents. He came to steal peasants. Everyone hated Christmas. The end. <laughs> Come on, let's give Nori some encouragement. Her, her, her first publication. <laughs> Don't you love it? She's getting that talent from me. Thank you. I like to write stories. <laughs> but today we're going to center in on a prophecy given about Jesus 700 years before he was born, a babe in Bethlehem. Isaiah, a very familiar Isaiah chapter 9, starting with verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This is a very well-known scripture passage taken from the book of Isaiah, prophesying of the coming Messiah 700 years later. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, as I bring this message called God with us to your people, I pray, God, that their hearts would be open, wide open, to receive your word and what it means for us today. Lord, we pray, God, that you would take your word and, God, just change us, transform our hearts, Lord. Lord, bring change to us, God. Where Bring adjustment where there needs adjustment in us, Lord. And, God, we just pray, God, that you would move by your Holy Spirit in ways that only you can move, Lord. We give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a very well-known scripture passage and one of the major prophets of the Old Testament was Isaiah. And he wrote this 700 years before Jesus was ever born in Bethlehem. Isaiah 9 is clearly a prophecy of the Messiah that would come. From heaven to earth to establish his kingdom, to bring order, peace, and justice. This prophecy certainly came at the right time when God's people needed a message of hope. Here's what was happening at the time, 2,700 years ago. If you could bring up that map, please. Here's what was happening. The Assyrians were attacking, they were north of this map. The Assyrians were attacking Israel and coming down and in this, in this area called Naphtali and Zebulon, is where they hit the hardest, ravaging the people that lived in that area. And, you know, it sounds like our world today. Wars and rumors of wars and things that are going on all around us. And, uh, you know, the reason why Israel was being attacked wasn't 
it, it maybe it had something to do with the fact that they were rebelling against God, that they were not following God's laws. Maybe it was that they were worshiping idols. Maybe for other reasons, it opened the door for the enemy to attack. And the Assyrians had an open door and they were attacking Israel from the north. But those that were ravaged the most was in this area, Naphtali and Zebulon, which is actually Galilee. You see the Sea of Galilee there. And that's where Nazareth is. And that's where Jesus would start his earthly ministry. The part of this this geography that was hit the hardest is the part where the glory of God showed up. And I don't know what you might be going through today, but sometimes when you're hit the hardest, it's when you can look for the greatest measure of God's glory to come and rescue you out of it because God's that good. It seems like in our world today, we are perpetually living in tumultuous times. Wars and threats of wars and fears of escalating wars, overwhelming our airways, our, our, our streets and our college campuses, ravaged with strife and hatred, rebellion and other disturbing reactions, specifically to the war in the Middle East. If there's ever a time we need a message of hope, it's now. Even if there wasn't World War III looming, we may be having our own personal wars going on at home. Maybe these kinds of wars are breaking out in our families or we may feel helpless and so out of control with what might come of our own future personally. Jesus said that one of the signs of the end times is that people's hearts would be failing them for fear. People would be, their hearts would be fainting for fear of what's about to come on the earth. The message people need to hear today is that there's a God in heaven who loves them. There's a God in heaven who loves us. Come on, church. There's a God in heaven who's in control, who knows all things before anything happens. He's a God who is strong and mighty, able to calm our fears. He's a God who already knows everything that you and I are walking through before we even got here. And he knows exactly how to bring us through. So the questions that we need to ask ourselves is this. Do we really believe that God is for us? Pastor Ed has started to preach my message before. Do we really believe that God is for us? No matter how much the storm is raging, no matter how much the war is, is, is going on on the inside of us, no matter what's happening all around us, do we trust in a God who's bigger, who's greater, who's stronger, who's wiser, who, who knows exactly where we are, exactly where we've been, and exactly where he wants to take us, and even use this thing that we're in right now to bring us into more of what he has for us? Do you realize that God can, can, can work anything together for good? 
for them that love him and those that are called according to his purpose? Do you realize that, that there's no problem too great for God? There's nothing too difficult for him? Nothing is impossible with our God? Do we really believe that God is for us? Well, Romans 8 says, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Aren't you glad? Who, shall, who or what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him. More than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's nothing in this entire plane that we call earth that could separate us from the love of God. There's nothing in heaven and nothing on earth. But do we believe it? We're called believers, but we walk around with our head down. We walk around in fear. We walk, walk around thinking, where is God? He is very present in a time of trouble. God is right there with you. He's a breath away. He's a prayer away. If we would just call upon his name, he will come and deliver us. Do we believe that he is a very present help? Do we believe that he's mighty to save, that he's mighty to heal, that he's mighty to deliver? Do we believe that he will provide every need according to his riches and glory? Do we believe the word over our own logic? Do we believe that God will fight for us? Do we believe that he will take vengeance on our enemies? Do we trust that no matter what is happening in the world we live in, that God will never leave us nor forsake us? us do we believe that's the question this Christmas season and we're going to see in Isaiah chapter 9 we're going to center in on it in Isaiah chapter 9 he's covered all bases he's got you covered 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 the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 9 is as much for us today as it was for Israel 2,700 years ago. Right in the midst of war, chaos, confusion going on around them, God brings a message of hope through the prophet. My God. And this message is Jesus. Jesus. The message being fulfilled in our lives today. But it's not limited to the two verses that we read in Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to go back to verse 1 and see what else 
Christ has fulfilled. Can we go there for a moment? Isaiah chapter nine, verse one. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Isn't that good news? The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future, Isaiah said, when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, he said, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. Is anybody getting this? You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian, the boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. In verses one to five, this part two is a prophecy of Jesus. Before we get to unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And here's my first point this morning. With Jesus, times of despair will not last forever. That's what he said. He said, this darkness and this despair will not go on forever. That prophecy by Isaiah 700 years ago applies to you and to me this morning. What you're walking through will not last forever. How many know darkness has a timetable on it? It's just a few hours of the day before morning comes. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy's coming in the morning. Come on, how many know there's a clock on every trial that you're walking through? How many know God allows the trials in our life to, to humble us and to, and to grow us and to build character in us and to build patience in us and all those good things? But there is a time clock on it. It is not going to go on forever. What you're walking through, that prayer request at the top of your list will soon be answered. God will come through for you. Come on, how many of you know there's many things that we're walking through that we are giving to God daily? Things at the top of our list, and I can stand upon the promise that says, my despair will not go on forever with Jesus. What a promise this Christmas. I mean, that should cause you to gather around your family members and be filled with so much love, so much hope, so much joy, so much peace because of what Christ has promised us. Come on, baby, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, yeah, he's cool. You know, we've we got, we got this wimpy Christianity going on out there. Man, I want the word of God. I want to know what God is saying to me. I want to know what Jesus has promised me. I want to live these promises. I want to walk in these promises. I want to walk by faith and not by sight. Listen, I might not see the answer to my top number one prayer in my life yet, but I know that it's coming because I know God will be faithful to his word. Your time of despair will not go on forever. God says right here in verse one that Galilee, 
which is the place where Jesus' earthly ministry began, will be filled with glory. Oh, we love that, especially in Pentecostal circles. Glory of God. The glory of God. Hey, but David even said, when people go into the sanctuary, when they go into the house of God, they'll be shouting glory. Come on, somebody shout glory. Oh, yeah, now you're sounding Pentecostal. Glory. The glory of God touched down in Galilee. It was prophesied 700 years before Jesus' earthly ministry began. And it continues to this day. I am a product of the glory of God touching down in Nazareth. Uh, You are a product of the glory of God touching down. Come on, the glory of God is the radiance of his presence. Can we talk about the glory of God for a moment? (laughs) The glory of God is not just what we say during worship time. The glory of God is the brilliance of his presence, the radiance of his majesty. The glory of God is experienced by us when heaven touches earth. Mm. When the earthly finite being standing in front of you is confronted with heaven. When your time of despair is over, when your prayer is answered, when you experience the presence of God, when you are are right there experiencing God in in glory. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When he started his earthly ministry in Galilee, what that means is he was saying to them, the kingdom of heaven is right in front of your eyes. You too can be touched by heaven. He is right here. Jesus is the glory of God. Come on. He, it, is, it, it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Listen, everywhere I read in the scriptures, we, we see the glory of God manifest. We see it in the, in the, with the Old Testament uh, children of Israel, the fo- pillar of fire by night the cloud of glory by day, right? We see God manifesting and showing up in many ways. We see his power manifested in the parting of the Red Sea. We see his glory when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter and James and John and, 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 and his glory was revealed. The Father spoke from heaven. This is my son in whom I am pleased. Listen to him. The glory of God, the presence of God, the radiance and brilliance of his glory. The disciples experienced the presence and the glory of God when Jesus was here on earth. John chapter 1 verse 1 said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Speaking of Jesus, are you with me? All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. 
We experience the glory of God. We saw the face of God in Jesus Christ. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Pastor Lenny, why are you saying all this? When I read in the scriptures, I read these verses and I read other verses from the Old Testament of the glory of God showing up. But I also find in the New Testament is that when we go through things and we hold on to God long enough through those things, in our time of suffering, in our time of going to the cross, there is a glory that is revealed in us when we come to the resurrection. I don't mean to be so spiritually spooky, but, but just hear me out. If we would just hold on to God, so many Christians miss out on experiencing the glory of God. Are you with me? Because they don't want to go through things. They'd rather kick and complain and drink their way out of their troubles. Come on, church. But I'm here to say, when we hold on to God, we might be walking through a valley. It might be difficult. But on the other end, when we come to the mountaintop and then we see the sun shining, when we see the glory of God revealed, not revealed to us only, but revealed in us, it provides that deeper level of substance within us as Christians that we could say, I've walked through some of the things that you're walking through right now. And let me tell you, the glory of God is about to show up in your life if you just hold on to him a little longer. Don't you dare let go of him in the midst of your trial. Don't you dare let go of him in the midst of your suffering. Don't you dare let go of him as you're praying and praying and praying and seeking and seeking and asking and asking and knocking and knocking and you still don't have an answer. I'm here to say the glory of God is about to be revealed in your life. My God, I want to experience his glory. That we come here on a Sunday morning and we experience the glory of God in worship. Well, you know, I've heard better. I like when the original artist does this song better. Stop. Do you realize what we're doing? Do you realize that the heavens are open? When we glorify God, when we worship Jesus, don't you realize that's when the glory of God comes down upon us and upon you? My God, I need the power of God and the glory of God in my life to get through what I've got to walk through in my life every day. I can't, I can't live without the glory of God. Man, I need to preach a message on the glory of God. But Jesus came, touched down in Galilee, and they experienced the glory of God in his ministry, in his earthly ministry, in his miracles, in his words. Heaven came down to her earth. Here's my second point. With Jesus, all oppression shall cease. My God, like that great anthem song that we sing at Christmas, O Holy Night. What does it say? Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. That's what he said. Wait, 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 wait. That's what he said in Isaiah chapter 9, verse, you don't have to go back there on the board. Isaiah chapter 9, he said, he said this, he said, 
for you will break the yoke of their slavery. He's talking about Jesus. Isaiah, talking about Jesus. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod. My God, my God, my God, my God. Who has been under the tutelage of the oppressor's rod? Who is, who is allowing the devil to lie to them and tell them they're no good, they'll never make it in life? Who, who, who's, who's going through things and saying, God's forgotten about me, God has forsaken me? Who, who in this congregation can say, Pastor Lenny, I'm, I'm, I'm going through things and I just can't see God. The oppressor seems to have his way in my life. I'm here to say, you've got to say no. You've got to say yes to Jesus and no to the oppressor's rod because he's already come to destroy the power of the enemy. For this cause was the Son of God made manifest that he might destroy the works of the enemy. That's why he came. Not some wimpy Jesus baby wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger. That's all good. But come, come on, let's talk about why he really came. Man, I can't preach on the manger. I'm sorry. A feeding trough. Good, we're done. A feeding trough. And we come and we feed of the word of God. When we feed of the word of God, that's when we receive all that Jesus I want to know every reason why he came. Jesus, why, why, God, why were you manifest in the flesh? The ministry of Jesus in our lives means that we can trust that the devil is defeated. The rod of the oppressor is broken. He lifts the oppressed and breaks the chains of depression, oppression, addiction. Jesus came as a babe in Bethlehem to grow into this ministry, grow up into this ministry in Galilee to his disciples in the outpouring of his Holy Spirit upon the modern day church and his kingdom expands and increases and grows and grows and grows and of his increase it will never, never end. Like he did when he destroyed the army of Midian, Isaiah said. Let's refer to that for a minute. I still have a little bit of time. Gideon was a judge, and Gideon was a prophet, and Gideon was a warrior. And Gideon was a man of God who, who, who he might have had a low opinion about himself. Because one day the angel of the Lord showed up to Gideon and said, Gideon, oh mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, who, me or the guy behind me? And God said, it's you, Gideon. I've called you to destroy the Midianites. With 32,000 men, Gideon said, okay, but they're, they outnumber us. They've got 135,000 soldiers. I've got 32,000 soldiers. And God said, you have too many. And he's like, no, God, they have too many. I don't have enough. And God said, First, remove all the ones that are fearful. 
Uh huh. If anyone wants to go back home to mommy and daddy, let them go. And he whittles it all the way down to 300 men. Less than 1% of what he had before. And I don't know, 0.001% of the size of the Midianite army? Some kind of mathematical equation. Right? Impossible, in other words. There's no way. So God devised this plan that they would smash pitchers, blow horns, and say, the, the sword of Gideon and, 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 uh, of the Lord. And from that, God completely confused the enemy and 300 men defeated and annihilated all the 135,000 Midianites. What a plunder. What a time of rejoicing that must have been. What a time of awe of them saying, God, we could have never done this ourselves. We know it had to be you that stepped in and did this thing for us. But he's saying that it's like this, this joy that God gives, this, this glory that God gives, this, this, the, the fact that he's breaking the oppression of the enemy. It's kind of like you've got to know that you have the victory already. Come on, only God could have done what he did through Gideon. Now let's go one step deeper. You know what the word Midian means? Strife. Somebody coughed at the same time I said it. Strife. <laughs> Strife. Strife is what Midian means. Strife can take on many forms, including anger between people. Unforgiveness, resentment, hatred, racism, and even striving in our own strength. And Jesus came to break down the walls between people. He came to bring reconciliation and forgiveness. He came to bring salvation in our relationships. He came to give us wisdom of how to handle things when strife comes. He will break the power of strife in our life if we let him. He came for that purpose. Are you hearing me this morning? Can there ever be peace in the Middle East? Oh no. Don't worry, I'm, not, I'm only gonna say one thing here. Not until Israel and Hamas make Jesus the Lord of their lives, and he can bring the two together. I've got, I've, got, I've got the right side over here clapping. I am not political, I am apolitical. I am not political at all. But listen, the same thing is true for you and your neighbor. The only way that, that things can happen between you and someone who is um, adrift in your life is to let Jesus be the Lord of your life. Find forgiveness in your heart this Christmas season. Reconcile with a loved one. Come on. Yes. And then he gets into Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. Aren't you glad about what Jesus did for us? 
for unto us a child, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. Let me stop there. Pastor Kyle, open my eyes to this. A child is born to us. A son is given to us. A child, meaning he was born of a virgin. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Laid in a manger in swaddling clothes. God became a man. Fully man. But Isaiah said, a son is given, meaning that he, Jesus, was with the Father from the beginning, in eternity past. When God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness, Jesus was with the Father from the beginning, and God took on human flesh, God incarnate. The incarnation of God, God became a man. The greatest Christmas present you could ever receive is the babe, is God wrapped in swaddling clothes, wrapped up just for you. What a gift that he came to give us on Christmas. Fully man and fully God. Let me explain for a moment. The fact that he was born of a virgin, the fact that he was born without sin, and that he lived his life without sin. I'm getting fogged out here. I'm getting fogged out. They're saying, come on, Lenny. It's gonna be so, such thick fog and then the hook comes and it pulls me off stage. <laughs> no, I still have four minutes. I still have four minutes. Legally, I still have four minutes. Fully God, perfect without sin, the spotless lamb, the only man not worthy to pay the wages of sin because he is and was and always will be God. It's hard for us to fathom that, how God became a man. Emmanuel, God with us. But a child is born, a son is given. Given means someone had him and sent him. The father, he was with the father from the beginning and God sent his son to the earth for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he came to us. Listen, everything that God does, he's got you on his mind. He didn't just say, oh, yeah, I'm gonna do something cool here, I'm gonna... You know, God could have done anything cool, right? But he came, a son is given to us. A child is born to us. Everything God does, he does it with you in mind. He knew before man fell, he provided a way of salvation, didn't he? He already knows what you're gonna walk through and he already has a plan for you to come through it. Hallelujah. And next, the government will rest on his shoulders. Let me talk to you for a moment about this. Some of us walk around like we're carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders. And part of it, let me help you, part of it could be, well, first of all, God doesn't want you carrying burdens that are not yours because he came to carry your burdens. Casting all your cares or your burdens upon the Lord because he cares for you is what the Bible says, right? Cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you, right? We're supposed to not let them rest on our shoulders, 
but take them off our shoulders and give them to him. But some of you might have a burden-bearing heart, a burden-bearing spirit that you feel the pain of others. When somebody's going through something, you feel it and it's almost like you carry it. But let me help you for a moment. That's the time to pray. That's the time to lift it up and intercede for them and say, God, what they're walking through is very heavy and, and, and it's not for me to carry. So, so I share the burden with them. I'm, I'm walking through, the, with, through it with them as a friend, but Lord, I'm casting it and giving it to you. I'm trusting that you're gonna work on them and you're gonna work in their situation and you're gonna bring them through, right? Because the Bible says the government shall rest upon his shoulders. And he wasn't talking about the Roman government and he wasn't talking about the Jewish people in that day. He was talking about an invisible government. He was talking about the kingdom of God. He was talking about the things that we carry. He was talking about the things that he would carry upon himself. Listen, he carried the weight of the world upon his shoulders so that we don't have to carry it. He took the burden of sin from us. Come on, when I was 22, 40 years, years ago, I was oppressed and pushed down by the devil himself. I didn't even understand the difference between God and the devil. I didn't know the word of God, but the devil was upon my back and he was pushing me down and he was trying to have his way in my life. And the weight of that sin, the weight of sin will keep somebody down. Uh, maybe I'm talking to some Christians here who's dabbling in some sin. I'm here to say the weight of sin will keep you down. But listen, when you say, God, please forgive me. God, release this thing. Pour out your mercy upon me and release me of this burden of sin. And you give it to God because he carried the sin upon the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He became sin for us. And when we understand that he came for that very purpose, we could give our burdens to him. Oh, hallelujah. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. Man, some of us need counseling. <laughs> some of us need counseling. But how would you like to go to a counselor who knows everything about you already? already has the answer for you before you even got to his office. I mean, how awesome is that? That's why he's a counselor who's filled with wonder. Jesus, you already knew about this, didn't you? You already knew that I would come to you talking to you about this like before I was even born. You already knew about what I'd be walking through right now and how I would need you and how I would need wisdom and how I would need counsel and, and uh, Lord Jesus, I ask you to help me. Wonderful counselor, wonderful, my God. Aren't you in love with Jesus? I believe some of you are gonna fall in love with Jesus this Christmas. Mighty God, he will be called Mighty God. The babe in Bethlehem called Mighty God. Mighty, powerful, awesome, El Shaddai. Mighty to change us. God's so powerful that he can change us. 
Ain't nobody going to change me. God's so powerful that he can change us. Transform us. Change our minds. Ah. Nothing is impossible with our mighty God. Everlasting Father. I'm almost done. Everlasting Father. Some of you have had a horrible relationship with your dad. Really bad. Maybe there even was some abuse or I don't know. Here's your prescription from God. Number one, forgive. Forgive because Jesus has forgiven us of so much. Let's forgive first. And know that Jesus is the father that will never, never abandon you, never abuse you, never forsake you, never leave you. He'll show up. And when he is there, he'll be present. All ears, all eyes on you. He removes all fear from us with his perfect love. This, you know, to the fatherless at Christmas, he will become your father. And that to me gives me confidence how much he loves me. I never have to worry. I've got, enough, I've got a father who's everlasting. Always present. Always there. Lastly, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Heart peace. Not mind peace. Not artificial peace. Not drug peace. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Peace with God. Because of the blood, I've been made right with God. I have made my peace with God. Peace with God and peace with others. He rules with peace. He's the prince of peace. He doesn't rule with strife. He doesn't beat us. He leads us. Amen? He goes before us. Here's my last piece. With Jesus, there's supernatural peace. His government and his peace will never end. His reign will never end. His peace will never end. As a matter of fact, it will continue to increase. How many of you want his lordship in your life to increase? And how many of you want your peace to increase? Man, that's a good word. I'm going to put that on Facebook today. God wants your peace to increase. Amen. And that peace increasing comes from you trusting him more and more and more. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for this great church. What an amazing time we have together every Sunday. God, I count it a privilege to be even able to talk about you in front of them and to them and for them. Lord, I pray, God, that this Christmas, God, the changes that we read about today, all that was prophesied about you and all that you fulfilled would be fulfilled in us. 
Lord, we pray this Christmas to be the best Christmas that we've ever had. And it doesn't matter about our prayer list and what we're going through. God, your peace, your supernatural peace, your love, your joy will overwhelm everything else in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.